0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens. I don't know how your week has been so far. Maybe it's been relaxing. Maybe it's been extremely productive. Maybe you feel like you've gotten nothing done at all. No matter what the case is, I am glad that you have taken time out of your Tuesday evening to join us. Sitting across the desk from me, as usual, is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, uh, well
1: Nathan. And let me say good evening to those who are listening to the program
0: this evening. Maybe your week has been extremely stressful. Well, you are listening to the right program. We are talking tonight about stress. We are continuing the discussion that we started last week on this topic. But if you have a question about any topic, stress, the Bible, what the Bible says or doesn't say, maybe it's a suggested topic that you would like discussed on that truth, please give us a call. You can be put live on the air by calling one two six eight-four six two. 7420. Again, live on the air, 1 268 462 7420. If you want to WhatsApp or text us, it is a different number, and let me give that to you now 1 268 782 1454. Send your question via WhatsApp or text to 268 782 1454. You can also join us on Facebook Live. You can go to the Radio Lighthouse, Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and then right there in your comment section on your device, you can send your question or your comment, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner live on the air. Now. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 7.33. That means that we have almost 90 minutes, the full episode of That's Truth, still ahead of us. So please do me a favor. Not only reach out to us with your questions, but favor number two is can you encourage someone else to tune into That's Truth? Maybe it's someone you've encouraged to tune in on a previous week. Maybe it's someone that you have never encouraged to listen to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse or let alone That's Truth. Maybe they're not aware that we have a live call-in program. Now is the time for you to send them a quick message and say, hey, That's Truth is on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Remember that hard question you asked me at lunch the other day? Feel free to send it in, and we will be glad to answer it live on the air from a biblical worldview. Pastor, we have a question. We're starting off the program. We all have a question that has already come in tonight since we started the program. Good night, Pastor. Uh, Pastor has not mentioned child rearing. My child's mother kicked his bassinet across the room at day two after birth pastor child rearing can that be stressful C- Cake what bassinet a little basket
1: uh, oh, oh, oh yeah um so my, uh, my sister for example whenever she became uh pregnant and was having the baby she went through a lot of not only stress but a lot of trauma as a matter of fact, she almost became diabetic every time she had a child. Wow. And that affected how she responded to the child. So it is a very stressful time. Uh, no question about that. I mean, I am told by ladies who have gone through this matter that going to a childbirth is like going close to death. They not only come out totally exhausted, uh, but sometimes your expectations, suppose you expected really to have had a boy or a girl and you turn around you got the different one. I mean, it can be very, very, very devastating. So it's a very stressful time. Um, Um, occasion as well. So there are a lot of others that I didn't mention, by the way. Uh, I was just given a sample uh, because when you think about it, almost anything can cause stress, especially when you think about it and your perspective is all wrong. So it's not just limited to those things that we mentioned. There are lots of others that we didn't get to mention as well.
0: I know you've got a lot of material for tonight and I may be jumping the gun here, but for the mother, the new mother who is listening and says, Pastor, that is exactly what I'm facing tonight. I am stressed. It's a whole new variables in my life. What advice do you have?
1: Well, the, the first thing I would say to you, it depends on if you're a believer or not. Everything rests, in my judgment, on the person's relationship with God. Believers go through problems like every other person goes through problems. But we have additional resources that the other person doesn't have. We have the word of God, we have the opportunity of prayer, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, we have the body of Christ and other believers and often we have a very, very close friend of ours who can be a partner with us in these kind of situations. And in some cases, churches have support groups for people who are going through this kind of of experience. But I would would say to you that um, you have, have to accept life as it is the reality is and try to find out uh, what lesson God is trying to do if he can't if he's not going to change his circumstances because he want to change you so what is he trying to change your mindset about and I would say to you that um, get a positive look at it and try to s- remind yourself of who God is his sovereignty think of his works think of what he's done in your life think of the blessings that you have start to think of those positive things the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 uh, when he's dealing with believers and, and anxiety whichever things are lovely of good report and he lists seven things that we should think about Those are, and of all seven positive things that we should think about so you need to understand that um, a lot has to do with your frame of mind and if you can ch- change your thinking and renew your thinking I think it would help you as a, as a person the other thing that could I uh, think is to reach out to your husband or or to your kids uh, to help them to understand what you're going through and let him know that you need some extra help uh, with the situation and if he's the kind of a caring husband that he should be um, he should be willing to put a little bit more energy and effort to try to assist you where you wean yourself off this condition that's got your mind so confused and it's just weighing you down with stress Um, you might find another sister in the church uh, as well that you're very close to that you, you share a lot of things with that you could probably share with her. She might be able to come over and, and try to assist you and to help you. There are lots of things that can, but you need practical help in that regard. But your mind is something you need to work on and that can be me work on through prayer and the study of God's word. You mentioned as a preface whether or not you're a believer. Can you expound
0: a little more? What do I have to do to be a believer? I mean, I've, gone to church my whole life i've been baptized in multiple churches multiple times does that make me a believer
1: the fatal mistake i think that happens within the caribbean context um is that we think that because we go to church or we're members of a church uh that or we've been through confirmation or we've been through baptism that that automatically means that we're saved i think one of the greatest uh problems with people who belong to the uh, what you call the the um, major religions uh, whether it be Catholic or Anglican or, or whatever uh, I think the fatal mistake they make is to try to believe that because they're in the church and belong to the church that they are right with God and therefore they have eternal life. Salvation has to do with your relationship with Christ and whether or not you've put your faith and trust in Christ. It has nothing to do with being a member of a church. It has nothing to do with confirmation. It has nothing to do with your baptism. Baptism comes as a result of being saved and now you're publicly demonstrating to the world that you've turned your life over to Christ and you're dead to the old way of your living and you're now uh, raised up, as it were, resurrected to a new new form of life. So it's about putting faith and trust in Christ. And of course, uh, the preamble to that is repentance. There must be repentance. You must understand that salvation has to do with sin. Now that's a word that's not being talked about is not very popular. You can hardly hear it on any major television program that has a mega church. Uh, it's not mentioned but that's the that's the cardinal problem between God and man and that sin problem can can't only be resolved through faith and trust in Christ where God offers you forgiveness through Christ and at the same time he imparts the righteousness of Christ to your com- so that you become in him and you become as righteous as his son is so that God can deal with you on a regular basis, even though you would sin and do things that are wrong. Yet, as he sees you, he sees you in Christ, and therefore he deals with you on that basis. And that gives you access to God in prayer as well.
0: If you have just joined us, you're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. And we would love for you to call and ask your question live on the air. You can do that by calling 268 7420 that phone line is open available and awaiting your call again it's 2684627420 or you can whatsapp or text your question to 126878214 Or you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and then right there on your device while you listen to the program, watch the program behind the scenes, you can comment in your comment section on your device and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. We have a comment that has come in from a listener. Good evening. If two unbelievers got divorced and one of them becomes a believer after, then that believer decides to go back with his spouse. However, he discovered that his spouse has gotten married to someone else. Is that believer free to marry? You want me to read it again? Yeah, read that one again, please. Okay. So you've got two unbelievers and they got divorced. Uh Uh-huh and then one of them becomes a believer. Okay. That believer now wants to join back with their spouse. But in the meantime, their spouse has gotten married to someone else. Is that individual who got saved
1: free to marry? I would say the person is free to marry because the other partner, um, I mean, they're free and they're divorced. I I can't see any reason why that person who's become a Christian is not in a position to get married Um, uh, I mean you you can't ask the person to unwed the person they're married to now and I I don't see any problem with that I don't have so much problem with unbelievers you know. I have problems with believers who treat marriage as uh, as though it is something quite flimsy and doesn't have any real permanency to it and so they jump out from one marriage into another. That's the problem I have. Uh, I would say to you that a believer who has been divorced unbiblically has no right to remarriage. It's the person who is the what might be considered the innocent party who has that right. Uh, that is my view on the matter. And um, Or if a believer has been abandoned uh, by another person within a marriage uh, again that person was abandoned Uh, you have legitimate basis or if it's been adultery two biblical grounds for divorce is um, adultery and abandonment one is mentioned in Matthew 19 and 18 19 and one is mentioned in, in Corinthians chapter 7 but uh, when I'm dealing with the unsaved person, um, I see no reason if he was messed up his life and he was say unsaved and now he gets saved, and uh, he can't go back to the partner. Uh, I see no legitimate reason why he doesn't have the freedom and the right to remarry. Wouldn't that kind of be a form of abandonment? Yeah, the, the former spouse, it, it, former spouse, yeah, that'd be a kind of abandonment. Um, it could be perceived. That, it's also a form of adultery. Okay. If you look at it, because yeah. if they were married and you're now living with somebody else, it's a form of adultery. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is try to have a... I, I, I'm a trying to avoid this uh, freelance in and out of marriage that is happening within the church. I think pastors need to take a very firm stand on this matter. And because we are so loose... In allowing a person to f- come from one church, he was married, and they were, I don't Christians now jump to another church, come to the other church, and then you go through the whole. I'm not too sure if pastors are concerned just about numbers. Mm. I'm not too sure, and you should be concerned about taking a moral standard, uh, etc., and let people know how serious marriage is. But I think uh, churches, to some extent, has been responsible for the uh, the impermanency of marriage, and so that the high biblical standard by which marriages was once held is no longer there and i blame Quite frankly, the pastors and the churches for that. It's not the unsafe. I keep telling people the problem is not the world. The world has always been and will always be as it is. The problem is the church. The church needs to fix its act. And once it begin to fix its act, then people seeing its difference and its standards are more uh, appealed to come into the church and become part of the body of Christ. But they don't want the same thing in the church that they got in the world.
0: And a second question that has come in in the story of the prodigal son. Does the story have any reference to the church or Israel?
1: No, the the story of the prodigal son is given in the context of three parables, if you listen very carefully. It has to do with the uh, Pharisees and our Lord uh, teaching um, God's love for the sinner. So it really has nothing to do... The The, the basic concept is the Lord uh, pursuing lost people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and coming to faith and trust in Christ. And it has to do with uh, His love and His pursuing of the sinner. So I don't see any particular um, reference there or any uh, allegorizing, allegorizing the, the passage to, to refer to Israel. I think if you read the context of the three parables, it's one of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. It all has to do with something that is lost. And uh, I would say to you that it, there are some people who see the lost coin um and the woman is the church. Church going after the lost. Okay. There's some people who see the uh the father going after the son, is the father going after the son, and the other one with the sheep, is the son going after the the, the lost person. So the, the the uh the two persons within the Godhead plus the church working to, some people can interpret that way. But I really think the the key emphasis here is the uh lost people need God and God is in pursuit uh of those who are lost. Thank you very much to the individuals
0: who have sent in questions already. Maybe you have one that has come to your mind. You can WhatsApp or text it to 268-782-1454. Now, last week, we started the topic of stress, a very practical topic, something that all of us face. Pastor, I know you face it. I face it. Every single individual faces it. And whether you faced it today or not, I don't know, but you will probably face it tomorrow to some degree, whether it's in the workplace or at home. Can you give us just a real brief overview of last week's episode and some of the material that you would have covered before we jump into fresh material?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing we did is to try to define what stress was, and we gave you what it might be called the sophisticated psychological definition of it. Then we gave you a basic layman's term of what stress could be conceived of. Having done that, we began to look at uh, different types of stress. We looked at acute stress, episodic stress, and chronic stress. And the main difference between these is the duration and the uh the effects that stress has. We talked about the symptoms of stress and we looked at the symptoms again from those three forms of stress. We looked at the symptoms under acute stress, under episodic stress and under chronic stress. The other thing that we did, Nathan, was to ask why it is that some people are able to handle stress better than other people. And we gave about five or six factors that seem to indicate the capacity of people to handle it in that regard. We looked at the causes of stress. Um, we didn't exhaust the total um, um, sum of what these, these causes stress. But we did give you about seven or eight uh, causes of stress. And then we looked at the effects of stress. Uh, it affects psychologically, uh, emotionally, uh, mentally, and physically on the body. And then we also, uh, in the process, looked at if there was any biblical concept that is equivalent to stress. Because we don't find the word stress in the Bible. But was there a biblical equivalent to stress? And we discovered that there were two words uh, in the uh, Bible that, that had to do with stress. One in the Old Testament, which has to do with being, uh, as you're boxed in or straightened, uh, you can't get out, you come to come to cul-de-sac. The other one was the one in the uh, New Testament that has to do with being pressed down. And the idea behind the word is to break, basically. So we we notice that even though the specific word is not there, I'm not too sure of the modern translations They may inject it there because the language has changed. But within the normal Bible that we use, the King James, you wouldn't find that word there. But you'll find the word distress. You'll find the word prestong, uh, uh, etc. That concept, is certainly within the Bible itself. And you expect that because the Bible in the Old Testament is a substantive book of narratives telling you the lifestyle of people and sharing with you what happened in their lives. On the other hand, the New Testament is didactic. It's not so much a narrative except the book of Acts and maybe the Gospels. Outside the book of Acts and the, book of, and, and the Gospels, all the other parts of the Bible are, 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 are didactic, the teaching, the epistles, etc. And you would expect uh, something to be said along that line. Uh, both didactically and also narratively in the Bible. As you're talking, how would you respond to the individual that says,
0: Pastor, I disagree with you. The Bible is not practical. It's just a bunch of doctrine. I find
1: it dry. Well, I think people who make those kind of claims actually don't know the Bible themselves, and they don't read the Bible. Uh, You cannot read the Psalms and then try to relate the Psalms to episodes in David's life without seeing the practicality of that. Whether you read Psalm uh, uh, 51, where David is repenting after committing sin with Bathsheba, uh, or you find that when he's running away from Saul, there are several of the Psalms that talk about the trials that he had been through. And of course, talk about depression. Uh, Why doubt this uh, cast down within me uh, is is mentioned. Um, Why that this spirit within me. Uh, so if you read the, the Psalms alone, uh, you can see the practicality of that. But not only that, I think by reading the narratives of the lives of different persons, even though their situation does not parallel us precisely, uh, you'll find that people go to the same trials we go to, um, where they fear death or fear threats of some kind, and um, or they fear there's some need or some want or some lack. How they were able to cope with it, or it's an enemy that is trying to conquer them. Um, or dealing with uh, the internal struggle of of, of justice, um, and looking at situations where it seems as though God is not fair and God is not sovereign, uh, coping with, with not understanding uh, what is happening in, in one circumstances. Uh, the book in itself is so rich in its depth that even the greatest minds have never been able to plumb the depth of the book as yet. And that's why when you're going to CLC or going to any Christian books. Store. Every single year, thousands of books are coming off the, the press that deal with some aspect of the Bible. It's just a phenomenal book. And uh, those people that make those kind of statements uh, are clearly people who are not reading the Bible and who are not aware of what the Bible is about. And perhaps uh, the biggest problem, of course, they're not saved, they're not converted, and therefore they can't understand Scripture. The Bible says, The natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God, uh, their foolishness unto him but uh, because they're spiritually discerned. So an unsafe person can hardly grasp what is in the scripture to any great extent except the spirit of God enlightens him. Uh, He doesn't have the indwelling spirit who's a teacher and who is the one who illuminates the Bible and brings it to our understanding.
0: Did you just hear Pastor reference depression and you think, you know what? That is what I'm struggling with. That's what I need counsel on. You can go to our website, the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The address is radiolighthouse.org. Scroll down to the second large picture that you see. It's a large microphone. Right in the center of the screen, there's a circle that says podcast. Click on that. And you can click on the That's Truth podcast and then the That's Truth archive. And there are 200 episodes from previous weeks that Pastor has covered different topics from depression to anxiety. Last week, he explained the difference between anxiety and stress. Maybe it's dealing with someone who counseling someone who is struggling with pornography or marital affairs. There are many, many extremely practical topics out there. And that references there to help you and for you to share with everyone that you come in contact with that can be encouraged and blessed by those programs. You can listen to them at your convenience. You can re-listen to them. Some of the material that he has shared in the past is a lot of material all at once. And so you can sit and rewind it and jump back and take notes and develop as uh, you listen to pastors teaching Again, that archive is available on our website, radiolighthouse.org. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 7.54. I'm Nathan Owens, and the voice that you hear teaching is that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Antigua. It has been a while since I did this. So let me encourage you, if you are listening in Antigua and you don't have a Bible-preaching church, if you are going to a church that is faithfully preaching the Bible, we are not trying to draw you away from that congregation, but if you are looking for a Bible teaching church in Antigua, we would love for you to visit at Grace Baptist Church. We are located on Rowan Henry Street in Gamble's Terrace, Antigua. Our Sunday school on Sunday morning starts at 9 a.m. Sunday morning service starts at 10 a.m., and we have our Sunday evening services at uh, which are more focused on teaching at this point and training in different areas. And those will start in Sunday evenings. And then on Thursday evenings, we rotate between prayer and Bible study at seven 6.30 p.m. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse and we'll be glad to give you further details about that. We are talking about the topic of stress, and obviously, Pastor, stress is not only an extremely common problem, but it has so many facets and dimensions that it seems like it complicates where to even begin dealing with the problem. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, the thing about it that they, uh, they talk about two forms of stress. They talk about what is called uh, eustress, e-u-stress, which is good stress. And there's something called bad bad stress. Okay. So um, you you need a level of stress in your life to motivate you to do certain things. Some people would not be motivated to do anything if they didn't have some level of stress. Yeah. So they, that, that's the thing about it. And then it has uh, it involves external pressure that causes physical and mental emotional strain. That's one aspect of it. But it also has internal resistance that responds to that that external pressure. So there's not only something external, but it's also something internal. And then it can be negative, uh, that results in a person becoming distressed or despondent or disheartened or or uh, uh, or uh, dis- dis- disheartened on the other hand, it can be quite positive where a person it motivates a person drives a person to achieve an accomplishment so it can either be a monster or it can be a motivator and that 's what makes it so complicated that you need some of it, but you don't need. Um, too much of it because it can actually drain you as well as motivate you. Uh, and that's what makes it so complicated when you're dealing with a subject of this nature.
0: Would you associate burnout and stress? Do you think there's a correlation?
1: Yeah, there's a definite correlation between uh, burnout and stress. As a matter of fact, when you become uh, so absolutely stressed, you uh, become totally uh, burned out. and that's, that's the, the word itself, uh, burnout, by the way, is a term that was coined by a psychologist by the name of uh, uh, Herbert uh, Berger, And he was trying to explain and describe what happens to people who are in the helping profession, that the doctors and the nurses, who become so exhausted and empty uh, and unable to cope that he came up with this term that would best, he said that they were exhausted because when you reach that stage of exhaustion, uh, you 're so physically and and, and, and uh, mentally and emotionally depleted that it leads to becoming somewhat like a cynic and you become detached and you almost become depersonalized. So he coined that term. So when you're talking about the word um, burnout, you're talking about a state of mental and emotional exhaustion. That's a very simple definition, mental and emotional. And what causes that more than anything else is stress. I think we all know that we stress to the point where we we don't have any energy anymore. We just feel totally um, exhausted but as a christian i'm protected
0: from burnout right
1: no um if you look at examples in the old testament or uh, even in the new testament is it is very clear that um, that is not the case uh, i can think quite frankly of which we i hope we'll look at at some point in time in the program this evening, I think one of the characters that that really got burned out in the Old Testament is is Elijah. I think I can show you that, that he was totally, totally burned out. Um, So he was a prophet of God, and we all know the miracle that he performed at Mount Carmel, but yet uh, he didn't, um, wasn't able to cope with the threat to his life and the change in circumstances, one moment is a champion, the next moment he's a coward. And it all has to do with the, the pressure and the stress of the circumstances he's faced with. The apostle Paul, for example, again, is a person that faced tremendous stress in his ministry. On one occasion he's writing, he said, you know, I, I do all of this and then add to this, I got the care of the churches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and then he said, who's sufficient for these things? And then he said, my sufficiency is in God. Another time he said, I'm pressed out beyond measure. Uh, all of these are, are expressions that give you an idea of a person who, who's, who, who uh, is faced with some level of stress. So um, a believer, uh, because by virtue of having this faith and trust in God, does not, uh, this does not absolve him of the possibility of, of coming under stress.
0: If there's a particular relationship or a particular individual that when I interact with them, I find myself being stressed unnecessarily,
1: what advice do you have? Well, uh, is it what they're saying? Uh, Is that the reason why that that is happening? Um, It might very well be that you may have to desist from too much interaction with that individual. There are some people when you see them, your day goes bad. (laughs) automatically you see that the day goes bad right? they just don't uplift your spirit etc etc you don't want to be around those people Uh, I think you'll find in the book of Proverbs uh, there's a a, a, a reference to that kind of a thing that uh, you've got to be careful who you associate with because they can influence and impact uh, what you do and also impact you, how you feel about the situation. So I would say to a person, if I'm finding that uh, when I'm around this person, I'm always depressed, I'm always uh, stressed out, I would suggest you to uh, find a different person to associate with and uh, limit the extent to which you interact with this person um again it's, it's you know if they ask you why you might want to be honest with them at some point in time if you think it would help them now, if they can't take um the truth and they can't take those kind of things uh it may best be best to hold your peace and not because it can worsen the situation but uh, they may not be if they are not aware of how do you making you feel that's a different thing altogether if you think it helped them help them by you explaining to them you know the way you talk the way you, the way you say things whatever it is you, you just depress me um, it might it might not be aware that, that that's the effect is having upon you but something would have to be done it, it doesn't help you to stay around a person who's constantly causing stress when you're around them um, it doesn't um, it doesn't help you and it doesn't help them either You're listening to That's Truth, a live
0: interactive call-in program on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. But if you have a question and you don't want to call and be put live on the air, don't worry. We have means that you can communicate with us that won't put you live on the air. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. Or you can call 268-462-7420. Or you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed. And right there on your device, comment your thoughts, your question, or a suggested topic. And we will pass it along live on the air to Pastor Murphy. As we continue this topic of stress and more specifically, you were referencing burnout. What would you say are some of the symptoms of burnout so I can determine whether I've crossed that line and am
1: in danger of burnout? Well, when stress becomes <clears throat> so overwhelming uh, on the person so that he becomes um, mentally and physically exhausted, um, there's several things. Number one, you feel overwhelmed by your responsibilities. Um, it's like a guy who enjoys preparing sermons but now certain sermons become a burden to him. He's mm-hmm. no longer delight. And uh, he's spending far much more more time than he did. And he's not getting as much, it's not flowing as it used to. And he finds that it, it, it's a burden rather than a blessing. Uh, another thing is when you withdraw from relationships, you're so um, down in the dumps and so exhausted that you can't even countenance being around people because just being around people uh, just makes you exhausted, even to talk to people, to, to relate to them, and then you become minimally productive, uh, you're not a high producer that you used to be, um, you find that your production, whatever you're doing, begins to diminish, and then you feel depressed, you, you lack enthusiasm, that's another sign that you're being burned out, and then a sense of purposelessness, because purpose is what drives you. And when you begin to find that you, you're overwhelmed by your responsibilities, you, things are not as pleasant as you used to be, you know, withdrawing from people, uh, you enter that realm where you wonder, why am I keep doing what I'm doing? And uh, you, the, the purpose that drove you to, to accomplishment, that seemed to be now diminished, and it's, it's almost an eclipse, yeah.
0: Pastor, we have a call from Bendos Antigua. Thank you for calling, and go ahead with your question, please.
1: Good evening to the panel. Hey Mr Williams, haven't heard you in a while, sir. Pleasant hearing you again.
2: Yeah, yeah. I listen to you on the sea, but I, now, I know I haven't got no connection to call, so
1: that's okay, we understand that.
2: Yeah. Pastor Nate, but anything we go. I'm
0: doing well. What can we do for you tonight?
2: Yes. Uh, Pastor, can can a man be a religious man and fear God?
1: Can a man do, a do what?
2: A, can a, can a man fear God? In everything and in other
1: Christians? I think it's possible that uh, people can have a fear of God. I, I, do, I do feel that way. Uh, so I do think that they are unsafe people who fear God, no question about that. Uh, and I think they—that that is either because of the influence when they were being brought up or something has happened in their lives or they read the Bible. They may not follow the Bible, but uh, they believe what's in the Bible and the warnings of Scripture. So I think it's possible that that that's, that, 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 um, that can be a reality.
2: And, and can a Christian be a, a real Christian,
1: genuine Christian, and still have doubt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christian can have doubt. A classic example, take John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist came on the scene saying, uh, this is one who comes after me whose shoes laces, basically, I'm not fit to untie. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he said, you know, every tree that does not bear fruit, he cuts down and he'll baptize you he with fire. I mean, John the Baptist came about spouting a message of wrath and anger and repentance and pointing to Christ. But then suddenly something happens. John the Baptist finds himself in prison and he's about to lose his head. Uh, and uh, he's going uh, to, so what happens? He sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? I mean I can't believe the same man that said Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world And saying this is the one that comes before me And I knew him because When the spirit of a dove landed upon him The, the, the Lord said to me this is the one But yet in, in the moment of uh, Death as it were And the moment How can he be incarcerated He is the forerunner of the king He is the one that heralds the coming of the king How is it possible That this one The Lord Jesus the Messiah Uh, The king of Israel Is going to allow This thing to happen I am his Forerunner So in that moment He has an eclipse of faith And he says You know um, Are you the one And what did Jesus Say to him Jesus said Go and tell John uh, The blind see The deaf hear The dead are raised From the dead The poor have the gospel Preached to them And you know Why he told him that Because all of those things Were referred in the book of, of, Of Isaiah that when the Messiah comes, those are exactly the things the Messiah was done. So he's saying, "Look, you're you know you're going through this period of time, but don't look at your circumstances. Put your trust in the Old Testament book that points to Me. I am the one to come." So certainly John had a period of a lapse of doubt uh, concerning uh, Christ, and our Lord rebuilt his faith by referring to the Old Testament and reminding him of the prophetic word in connection with the Messiah. So Christians can have doubts. Um, as a matter of fact, I think its um, I think I've think i only met one Christian I've ever met who've told me he'd never had doubts since he got saved. Mm. I thought that was unusual because <coughs> believers, uh, I don't care who you are, yeah. uh, you have doubts at some time in your life, but that's a reality. But the way to answer doubt is faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to go back to the word to rebuild your faith when you're faced with doubt. But,
2: but can you believe that there's a trick, a trick from the enemy?
1: Well, it's, it, obviously it's a trick from the enemy because he exploits our weaknesses. You know, uh, you remember what the devil, the, the, the devil told the Lord in, in Job? A man would do anything to save his flesh. He's right about that. So when you talk, when you talk about death, look, there are many men who have gone to the altar and knew they were going to be um, uh, martyred. I think of Latimer and Cranmer, who uh, renounced and uh, actually folded and renounced the Christian faith. But then when they were put in prison and they regarded their faith, uh, they we, we they they now recanted what they had recanted before, basically. And even when they were being burned to the stake, put their hands out and say, These hands that signed these documents, uh, let them burn. I mean, so you can have times of doubt. And the enemy would always use that, no question about that, because faith is what connects us with God. So if we want to, he wants to disconnect from God, is to inject doubt in our minds. That's exactly what he did in, in the book of Genesis. Did God say? And he caused um, Adam and Eve to question what God had written. That's exactly what he does today. Uh, with in a lot of the church, did God say that marriage is between a husband and a, a man and a woman? Did God say there's only male and female? That's the big issue today. Uh, and if we don't understand what has happened, the enemy has not changed his strategy. He's just changed his methodology. But his whole tricks, we all know. Paul, we're not ignorant of of, of his stratagems that he uses. So, yeah, the enemy definitely is behind this whole thing.
2: Okay, then. Thanks for your connection.
1: And please say hi to your wife for me, please. God bless you. Yeah, i
2: do Thank you. i have a Save drive
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you for the call,
0: Brother Williams. Good to hear you, and continue to encourage others to tune into that's truth. If you, no matter how you're joining us, let me say welcome and thank you for participating in the program and listening and encouraging others. And it's specifically, if you are joining us on Facebook Live, and I see there's a number of you joining us that way, welcome. And if you would be willing, would you share that video or share the Radio Lighthouse Live video feed on your Facebook feed for others to see as they're scrolling through Facebook on this Tuesday evening? It eight eleven. Maybe you're listening to the program on Saturday afternoon to the rebroadcast and you have a question and you think, man, I wish I could participate in the live program on Tuesday, but I'm just tied up at work or other responsibilities, maybe a church service, and I can't participate. Go ahead and send in your question on Saturday or Sunday or Monday or whenever it is. You can send it via WhatsApp or text message to one two six eight. 782 1454. If you have a question you'd like to speak live on the air during the program, you can ask it by calling 1 268 462 7420. The phone line is open and available again. And we are honored that you have taken time to include the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse and That's Truth in your Tuesday evening routine. Pastor, you were talking about the symptoms of burnout, a lack of purpose, less productive, withdrawing from relationships, depression. Anything else you'd like to mention?
1: Um, I don't know if I mentioned the amount of loss of perspective, um, lack of the ability to concentrate, and you now become very indecisive. You used to be a person who can make very quick decisions, but now everything uh, you have to think it through. It's almost laborious. It's, it's not yeah. like you you have that snapping in you any, any longer. And then you become very, very irritable. Uh, things that you would never, and people can say, and it would never bother you. No, you find that you're very, very sensitive what people are saying. Uh, I think those are some of the very, very clear symptoms that you are actually to the point where you burn out. So you're miserable to be wrong. And, and people sense that. Um, and that is, clear warning signs that you need to get a handle on this situation um, because it can lead to the breakdown of relationships, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So you mentioned the symptoms, but I'm curious if you could elaborate a little bit more and give us kind of an idea of why burnout happens and what are some of the steps that might lead up to it so that we can be as aware of pos- as possible of burnout and steer
1: clear of it? Well, those who have studied this matter, because it's a very serious problem, especially in the in the helping professions, especially doctors and nurses and people who are actually engaged in a lot of social work. It's very, very exhausting uh, to deal with people. A lot of pastors as well uh, get burnout uh, because they're burning the candle at both ends and sometimes in the middle. Um, and, and, and that leads to a lot of problems but those who have studied this matter uh, quite frankly have indicated that there are several steps that eventually lead to this whole matter of burnout I want to share those with you Uh, the NOMIA what they call a a a 12 stage model the first thing that they say that you you have a compulsion to prove uh, yourself to demonstrating that you're the best at whatever you're doing. So it, it's a noble ambition because you want to pursue excellence and uh, you're very enthusiastic about your responsibilities and you want to excel. Uh, so what you do, secondly, is that you work harder and harder until you're unable to switch off from work. Uh, you just give more time and more time and more time because you're trying to achieve. You begin to, thirdly, neglect your needs, like you neglect sleeping and eating and... Uh, and uh, you lack a lot of social interaction begins to happen, so you begin to neglect these things. And then there's something called displacement of conflicts. In other words, the problems that now are created because you're beginning to neglect these things, you dismiss them, and uh, you feel that everybody is just picking on you, basically, and, uh, you know, these are not real issues, not real problems that need to be addressed. The... The, the fifth step they say is that you become to, re, to re, revise what you call your values you used to value family time uh, or you used to value your hobbies uh, but these things that you once valued uh, your friends these no longer become relevant to you and they seem to be non-important so your values are, are, are beginning to shift now as a, as a person that leads you to now everything is just work your entire life now is just about focus on your work and then uh, you deny any kind of emerging problems. Like you see your colleagues now when they begin to say things to you, you see them as stupid, you see them as lazy, and, and uh, you see them as indisciplined, uh, you see them as don't want you to succeed or trying to undermine your success. Uh, so, and then this basically develop pressure at work uh, because your whole disposition is changing. And then this withdrawal from social life, uh, it becomes totally non-existent. And you begin now perhaps to deal with the stresses coming on by maybe turning to alcohol or some means of or maybe some kind of drug or some kind of medication now to help you cope with the situation. Uh, And then that leads to odd behavior that the family now begins very, very concerned, uh, saying that you're workaholic and you're, you're now married to your job and you don't have time for the family, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And you become almost depersonalized, not seeing yourself as, uh, as others see you. Uh, you don't seem to value what people think about you anymore. All this matters about you successful in achieving this ideal that you have. And uh, you, as a result of that, you now neglect your, your needs and sometimes even your hygiene and even your appearance begin to change. And then there comes what you might call an inner emptiness where you begin to feel empty. And uh, again, you find to find some way of escape, and that might be over overeating, or again drugs, or again alcohol, or sex. And then you go into depression, feeling completely exhausted, and uh, you go into that dark period where you don't think you will get out of it. And then you come to the burnout syndrome, where you total mental and physically collapse, and. Um, You now need medication to bring you out of that situation or you need some kind of spiritual renewal uh, to bring you out of this, this doldrum that you find yourself in. So uh, those are the the 12 steps that basically are identified of how we move from one stage to the other. Notice it's something very noble. I want to be excellent. I want to achieve. I want to be the best at what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong in trying to be the best. But in the process, you sacrifice relationships. You sacrifice friendship. uh, And um, you withdraw yourself. And you just become married to your work and that leads from one thing to the other until you begin neglecting yourself, until you're not the person people knew before, and uh, suddenly you're going to depression, and then you'd find all kinds of means to lift yourself out by going through all illegitimate forms to try to get some kind of relief. This is where, again, people turn to affairs in their marriage uh, because they're having problems with the wife now because she's complaining all the time, and you don't want to go home now because the moment you go home, you can get tied down, so they've tried to they go to the bar, they go to something else and they meet somebody who they can download and feel, of course, they're not living with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, 30 days a month. So it's so much easier. This is a person, like a, a one-night pass or a second-night pass and uh, that leads them to get involved in these kind of things.
0: You referenced those, the illustration there around work, but is it only work that can cause burnout? I mean, can you, can a a athlete uh, become burned out trying to be the best at what they're doing or maybe a woodworker or an auto mechanic uh, as a hobby on the weekends? Can you face burnout from other areas?
1: A- time you uh, want to pursue uh, excellence at any level, there's always a possibility. Uh, a person preparing for the Olympics, for example, who trains eight hours a day, Uh, can push and push and push to the point where they neglect so much things about their family, etc., friends, relatives, etc. It can lead to to, to burnout. But generally speaking, it's it's work-related. As I mentioned before, there are a lot of pastors who go through this as well. Uh, So it can happen to anybody as long as you have the ideal of trying to pursue something where you want to be the best at whatever you want to get done. Um, And it takes over your life.
0: So if I'm understanding you right, then... I should just be content to not pursue excellence? Is that what you're saying?
1: No, the, the, the Bible tells us quite frankly that uh, we should pursue excellence. But there must always be a balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellence, you must always keep your, what, what are the godly priorities that the Bible talks about? The godly priorities really is your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your relationship with work. That's the balance that you had to keep. So whatever you're pursuing excellence, you have to maintain that balance and that priority. You can't sacrifice, the, uh, for example, your family and sacrifice your relationship with God for your work. So there's nothing wrong in pursuing excellence, but uh, it's a matter of keeping balance and maintaining a priority.
0: So you've given a lot of groundwork and a lot of uh, reasons and steps. But let's get to some really practical material. Is there a Bible character that we can study that shows us... Did he reached he or she reached a level of burnout and stress, yeah. and how did they find restoration?
1: I, I think the the best one of the one of the best examples of uh, a person reaching the stage of burnout, I think, is Elijah in First Kings chapter nineteen. Um, if you go there, Nathan, and look at verse three, four, and five, I think it gives you an idea of a person who is completely um, exhausted and uh, overwhelmed by the situation. And I think this is a, a, a real biblical model of what would be considered to be uh, a burnout. First if, Kings 19 If you
0: look at verse 3 Verse 3 says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to
1: Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. So here is here's, uh, Elijah, who was a great champion and was able to Destroy 400 prophets of Baal Called on fire from heaven And then Jezebel said By tomorrow I'm going to have your head And what you did to the prophets I'm going to do to you At that moment Elijah lost his confidence in God And he's running away from a woman Now remember He's able to face 400 prophets of Baal He's able to face Ahab the king But suddenly There's something about Jezebel That just uh, caused him to put his tail between his legs and just run. So he he's lost his confidence there. And look at verse number four.
0: Verse four says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper or broom tree. And he asked that he might die saying it is enough now O lord take away my life for i am no better than my father's
1: so i would say to you that he's reached the end of his own resources he doesn't feel like going on any anymore what he has the disappointment he has been faced that he has been able to do all of this but yet uh he's probably saying to his mind how can god allow this queen uh, to threaten me after I did this great work for him and show that there was a true God in heaven. Where is this God that I just, that just performed this great miracle that this woman can actually threaten me and I have to run? And I think he comes to the point where he just doesn't know what to do. He's reached to the end, obviously. And then notice verse 5.
0: And he lay down and slept under the tree and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat.
1: Verse 5, right? So he's totally exhausted. Now remember that he runs, uh, If I can't remember the calculations, but he runs almost 30 to 40 miles to get away from her. Uh that's exhaustion. That makes me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> that is total, total exhaustion. So you got a guy who's lost his confidence in God, a God who seen a guy who seemed to reach the end of his resources, and a God who a guy who is totally, totally exhausted. And then the interesting thing is the steps that seem to me that how he was able to bring himself Uh, out of that situation and to come to a level of spiritual restoration. Uh, Notice verse three and four uh, of the chapter again. Verse three. Verse three.
0: And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there. Verse
1: four. uh, belongs to Judah and... And left his servant there. That's the point. First thing, you notice that uh, he leaves his servant to get alone. Yeah. Okay, so he's he's just separating himself. Now he he's so distraught, and I think that Elijah is is trying to get alone, maybe to to get in contact with God somehow. So he's trying to get get away from people, get away from the situation, just get alone by himself. Uh, then notice verse five to eight.
0: 5 says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Verse 6, And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount
1: of God. Here is it then. He's isolated himself to get alone, to meet God. Uh, He's given two things, rest and food. When you are burnt out, Uh, You not only need to get along with God, but your body needs nourishment and it needs rest. There's no substitute for nourishment and rest when you're burnt out. Uh, So that is the next thing is that uh, look at verse eight and nine. Verse eight
0: says, and he arose and did eat and drink and win in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mountain of God. And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And in verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left." And they seek my life to take it away.
1: So the, the third thing is that he begins to communicate with God. Or God, uh, could I say God took the initiative to communicate with him. And the other thing is, is this, that Elijah was very honest with God. He didn't pull any uh, veil over God's eye. He said, listen, I'm so disappointed, quite frankly. I have done the way with the prophets of Baal. And I've done all of this And I am the only one left in this whole situation I think I deserve better He's not using those words But quite frankly He's expressing his true feelings of disappointment That in spite of all he's done He seemed to be the only lone ranger There's nobody else there to support him, etc And the point I'm making here Is not only do you communicate with God But you tell God, quite frankly How you really feel And let's remember, Uh You can't disappoint God Or you can't tell God anything he doesn't know So in his case, uh, he's not butting up God, he's just expressing his total disappointment in the events that have followed this triumph that he had at Mount Carmel.
0: Let me ask you this though, Uh, we should be respectful of God. So how do we not, in anger or frustration, lash out at God? Uh, How do you strike that balance of being honest with God, but being respectful?
1: Well... You don't find that the the language he uses there, you don't find that that is disrespectful language. I don't find that. It's couch in language where you're expressing how you really feel but you're not telling God, well, you know, uh, well, you he didn't help me, whatever it is. I mean, that's a different approach. You are saying that indirectly, but you're just laying the cards before him. So I think there has to be a balance there that we don't treat God to our level. We're really treating God like a little boy. There must be that respect. It's like a p- child who comes to his daddy and said to him, Dad, I, I don't want to see my am being disrespectful to you. But, you know, the way you responded this evening was not the, the, the most b- best way to do it. That is respect. Uh, If you go there and say, you shouldn't, you know, something without any, any." so I think there has to be a balance there, uh, etc. But he's honest with his feelings. And then look at verse 11 and 12. And he said, Go
0: forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind... And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small
1: voice. The point he's making there is that God is in control. Not necessarily in the big pyrotechnics, but with a very small, soft voice. And we we always think that we have to see something that is uh, gloriously displayed. For God to be in it, but He's teaching uh, him here. You know that all this commotion uh, that you had at Mount Carmel, I was there, but I, I don't have to act all too commotion all the time. I can speak in the very, and that's how He spoke to him in the very. And, and by the way, when you're going to uh, burn out, the one thing that. Uh, you don't want is a critical voice. You want something soothing and quiet and cool to calm your tongue, uh etc. And, and and there are God deals with. And then um, notice verse 15 to 16.
0: Verse 15 and 16 says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael To be the king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat, of these are getting better as we go. (laughs) (laughs) Ablamah, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room?
1: Yeah, the point. The other thing here is that God now reveals to Elijah what steps he's going to take to show that he's still in charge and still in control and he gives him directives uh, as to how he's involved in God's plan and he doesn't go and anoint Elijah and go and anoint Jehu so God is saying you know uh you run away from Jezebel quite frankly but I want to know I'm, I'm in charge of this whole thing quite frankly I'm going to change um The king uh, put Jehu in place. And of course, he has plans for Elijah. And then uh, if you look at verse 20 and 21. And he left the oxen and ran after
0: Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will show thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and gave and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered with him.
1: This, the point there is that God gave Elijah a genuine friend who stuck with him wherever he went. Sometimes in this burnout situation, you need someone uh, who is there, just there, not necessarily have to say anything, but just there with you. And clearly, uh, he needed somebody like that. So when you look at the, the 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 way that he was restored to ministry, quite frankly, there are some interesting things for us. We need to get along with God. Uh, we need rest. We need food. We need to communicate with God. Uh, we need to be honest with God about our feelings what we feel about that uh, we need to understand that in spite of what may seem God is still in control and we need uh, to listen to God to give us a direction to what his next step, steps are and that God is not necessary in the big pyrotechnic display but he's there in a still small voice speaking to us and then also he gives us a friend that we need who becomes our companion to be with us uh, as we make this journey. So uh, there are some interesting lessons we can learn there. I mean, this is not exhaustive, but clearly there are some principles that are relevant for us when we too are going to our burnout that we can learn from this life of Elijah.
0: Pastor, we have a number of questions that have come in here. Good night. How can you have a social life when most of your time is spent at work?
1: Well, you can't have it. <laughs> you have to, uh, you, you, look, work has to be set in, uh, in, in, in the realm of your priorities. As I mentioned before, the biblical priorities are given to us both in Colossians and Ephesians, where Paul in the final chapters explain. Uh, he doesn't use the word priority, but the fact that he give a particular sequence indicates that this is the priority. And that's it with your relation with God always come first, then your relation with your family, and then your relation with work. We have reversed that. Consequently, as a result, when work takes over, your relationship with God suffers and your relationship with your family suffers. So you have to reverse that priority and keep that priority in order. Uh, That's the only way you're going to be able to deal with it. Uh, If you're going to socialize with your family, you can only do that if you uh, spend the adequate time with your work, but also adequate time with your family. When work takes over family life and takes over your personal life with the Lord, you have skewed priorities and it's not very likely that your Christian life is going to uh, develop anything. You're just going to dwindle and uh, it's going to have some serious uh, repercussions because once your relationship with your family breaks down, that opens the door for an illicit affair to happen at work because that's where all your time is spent with. And generally speaking, unless you're working by yourself and you're working with another female uh, and you're working hours after work, uh, things happen when two people who are opposite uh, two different genders are in any uh, specific location and there's opportunity. Things happen, whether you plan it or not, it happens. So if you, you, you might find that by sacrificing your, your social relationship with your family, it ends up where you create a social relationship here because you are a social being. I'm a social being. And no matter what you do, you still need to be able to socialize. So you're going to have to decide what, what sacrifice needs to be made. Sacrifice your family or sacrifice part of your work. That's a choice you have to make, but it has to be made.
0: Can a Christian have a social life? And if so, what entails or compromises compromises this social life?
1: Well, I, when you say if a Christian can have a social life, I think everybody should have a social life. Social life means that you're able to interact with people. Uh, I'm not too sure if you mean by that um, going out with the guys and... Uh, well not drinking but partying or going to uh, people different homes that's a possibility but I think that should happen Um, and I think also it depends on the stage you are in life younger couples have a more tendency to interact with each other and want to be you know together maybe go dating together doing functions together and that's the benefit of belonging to a church we have couples I think that's a really good thing that should happen uh, Older people like myself I'm more of a homely person most of my time basically is I, I'm not a person who likes to, to go out I don't like to travel period uh, I'm a person give me a book give me let that, that me be there but I am not the third person who likes to be running all over the place so I think a lot has to do with your age but I, I do think it's important uh, to have some kind of social life uh, for you and your family and uh I if you can't plan it, give your wife that responsibility. Tell your wife listen, I'm taking you to to be going out to lunch or something once a month or whatever but you 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 you, you uh you do all the work you call the people i'm gonna pay for it just, let her do something if she really wants to do that carry that on to her don't carry that burden but so you you're actually meeting her need. But again, I I don't like the mitty-gritty of myself of calling up people at a restaurant and find out what. I would delegate that, quite frankly. But if she's concerned that you're not socializing with her, okay, give her that responsibility. hun. wherever you want to go, once a month, we're going to go, we're just going to sit down, we're going to chat, have a good meal. Or um, I can't do it every, every, every month but certainly maybe every quarter you might want to spend a weekend at a hotel, something of that nature. But give her that responsibility. If you if you can't, don't have the time or you don't have the, the, the effort ready to do it, delegate that to her. And if she's really interested in that, uh, she should be able to, to follow up on it and uh, prepare for that.
0: We are talking about stress tonight, but if you have a question on any topic, it doesn't have to pertain to stress. Feel free to, well, let me not just say feel free to, please give us a call and you can ask your question live on the air. 1-268-462-7420. Or if you don't want to speak live on the air, not a problem. You can communicate with us via WhatsApp or text message. Send your question to 268-782-1454. If you don't want your question associated with a particular country or even whether it came in via WhatsApp or whether it's on this side of the globe, not a problem at all. Just put anonymous or don't wish any details to be shared that would tie back to me, something like that at the beginning of the message, and we will make sure that we keep you 100% anonymous. And just so you know, as I'm asking pastor these questions, I don't know who's sending in these questions. They're coming from uh, Sister Marianne in the other room who is screening the calls, pastor doesn't know who's answering the questions. So depending on how he answers, it's in no way a reflection on you as an individual. He's just doing his best to answer these questions from a biblical world view, not knowing what questions are coming before the program started. You can also join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed and right there in your comment section on your device you can comment your question and send it to us and we look forward to interacting with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for interacting with us and sending in questions. Thank you to those who have sent in questions. And even though we only have 20 minutes left in tonight's episode, we still have plenty of time for you to send in your question. Thank you in advance for sending it in. We have been talking about stress and Pastor, you just gave us some biblical and I jotted them down, very practical uh, ways that we should approach stress or the fear of burnout from a biblical perspective. But what would you say are some of the more modern stress reducing techniques that are practiced?
1: It's it's surprising to me that uh, when I learn of some of them, I can see the um, the interaction and uh, between the east and the west I can see the What do you mean by that? I'll explain what I mean okay. uh, For example, a lot of them talk about um, focusing on breathing techniques Okay. That is where yoga comes in, mm. right? And believers need to be very, very careful about this, but um, but some of what they said is, is quite right, that you learn to breathe from your diaphragm as opposed to breathing your chest. And they it suggest it suggests that if you were to, to do uh, careful breathing, and they have certain techniques how long you hold it and stuff like that there does need some medical benefit to help you to reduce stress if you develop a certain breathing technique I'm a little bit concerned about the injection of yoga here Uh, if you can strip the breathing Uh, control your breathing, etc., and not go into this same mantras and stuff like that, I I may not have a problem. But I am very, very aware that this is where you get people pushing a lot of yoga. The other thing that... uh, Let me just jump in there
0: and just mention, if you are listening to you saying, Pastor, why in the world do you have hesitation about yoga? Pastor did a whole episode on the topic of yoga. You can go to our website, Caribbean or RadioLighthouse.org and then click on... Scroll down to the second large picture that you see, a large microphone right in the center of the screen. You're going to see a link that says, a circle that says podcast. Click on that. Click on the link that says that's truth podcast. Click on the link that says that's truth archive. And then you can look at all previous episodes. And when I find it, I will give you the specific episode number, but I'm pretty sure you can search uh yoga and in fact I got it right here it is episode 174 175 and 176. So if you've got questions about why pastors is hesitant on yoga, there's three episodes that will answer your questions. Back to you, pastor.
1: Yeah, the other thing that I find that they stress as far as the technique to deal with it is meditation. Uh, and, uh, and again, you can see again where TM, Transcendental Meditation, Yoga, all of these Eastern religions that are followed in the West Really emphasize both breathing and meditation, and I think this is where they almost say it's a science. So it's not; it is stripped of its um, spirituality, as it were, and its um, religious um, nuances so that you, it disarms the people in the West, and yeah. that's how they inject these kind of things. But, but medica- meditation, no question, uh, is very beneficial. And the Bible does emphasize in the book of Psalms many, many times this matter, meditate, meditation. But we meditate on the attributes of God and the works of God. And the Psalms will help you in that. But I do think that's important, uh, important to do to, to, uh, meditation. Uh, it, it is said that meditation... Um, The benefits of it, Nathan, it slows down your breathing rate, it lowers your blood pressure, Uh, it helps your immune system to function better, it strengthens your mind uh, in terms of your creativity, it helps you to manage negative thinking, and it also... Uh, helps you deal with unhealthy habits so that you don't turn to smoking or drinking or junk food or dependence on coffee or sugar. Uh, meditation replaces that. So there are benefits definitely to, to, to meditation. The other thing that they do is regular exercise. That's another thing that is very, very helpful uh, because exercise will help to reduce uh, stress and make you more resilient. And when you exercise, um, there is the uh, stress hormone called cortisol that is reduced and there is the feel-good hormones called endorphin uh, that also is released in the body so you do get this this, this good feeling so regular exercise uh, is helpful to you to deal with stress and then another thing they said that's very helpful about modern techniques is laughter uh, and that's significant because Proverbs 14:13 talks about that but uh, it helps to reduce stress. That's why there's nothing wrong in watching a good comedy that doesn't have vulgarity in it. But uh, the capacity to, it releases and uh, the good hor- hormones uh, uh, that 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 um, it's responsible that part of you give you good feelings. But laughter is good, and and and, and, and um, watching, and then listening to relaxing and soothing music uh, is very, very helpful. Again, and you remember in the book of um, Samuel where where Saul is gone through a mode depression and an evil spirit has taken over, and how David played skillfully on this harp and was able to uh, bring Saul's mind down so that the spirit departed. I do feel that soothing music is very, very helpful um, as well. And then another thing, of course, is, and this is only for married people, but intimacy. Uh, you, you, hug, you hug your wife, your wife hug you, whatever it is. That helps uh, release the good hormone called oxytocin in your body. And um, this helps you to feel more uh, alive and well and good. And loved. And loved, <laughs> And of course, when you burn out, you need that, quite frankly. So those are six of the things that are very, very commonly used today. The meditation, the breathing techniques, regular exercise, uh, laughter or comedy, listening to good music, and of course, intimacy uh, with your partner. That helps a lot. Uh, that's the, some of the modern ways in which you, you deal with it. What about
0: medication and stress? Should we be medicated?
1: Well, there are times when uh, it is so bad that to get you back to some level of balance, medication is recommended. Uh, and there's nothing wrong if the doctor prescribes that your situation is at is, is a state where we need to bring you back um, and get you out of this hyper situation we're in and this thing is this thing is so depressing and so overloading that you could probably lose your mind. And I think that that is, is uh, possible. The medication um, that they normally use, Nathan, to do that is the, the, the uh, tranquilizers. Uh, people will know some of these Xanax, uh, uh, Clonopin, Valium, Ativan, and uh, something called benzodiazepine; uh, those are things that are use, and these are things that will help you um, within 30 to um, 30 minutes to an hour. They can change your whole disposition and, and 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 calm you down, and and get you back to some kind of a balance. Uh, so sometimes that is needed. There is also another type that is is used. Uh, something called the SSRIs. Uh, it's called Selective Serotonin uh, Reuptake uh, Inhibitors. And this takes about four to six weeks before they work. So it's not something instantaneous. Uh, but it, by taking them, it operate only after four to six weeks. Uh, so your body's, uh, you heard Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, uh, Lexapro, and Selexa. Uh, Those are some of those things that are use, medications that they use. The only thing that you have to be concerned about is the effects, side effects, like nausea, fatigue, problems sleeping. Sometimes you get weight gain, agitation, and sometimes it increases your sweating, and sometimes you even have sexual dysfunction. So you ought to read what the effects are. I remember some time ago, one family member, not on my, but on my son's wife's side, um, that um, something had happened, and um from what the person was telling me, I was concerned as to what uh, why they had he was required medication so I asked quite frankly, can you tell me what the medication was and the good thing about the internet, Nathan, that once you're given a medication, you can actually punch it in and you can know exactly. What it does, and and I was uh, very easy. I was. This is this is why this person was given a breakdown is what has happened here, and what you need to be concerned about when you're talking to him or to her is that look at the side effects uh, to, to see what side effects is going to have. But uh, medication is necessary sometimes in extreme cases. Uh, all I will say to you that whenever you get medication that is help you deal with your depression or burnout, uh, Google it so you have an idea what is intended to do, uh, how, what effects is going to have side effects, so you can make an informed decision. Because sometimes, some doctors must be very honest with you, they just sell you pills. But, uh, you know, I'm not too sure how concerned they are about the, the, the side effects. Sometimes I listen to the television giving about this medication. I say, well, why would anybody take that right. <laughs> when you look at the side effects? They spend half the commercial <laughs> listing all the side effects? Honestly, I see that happens so frequent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think people, we in the Caribbean, you know, we just go to the doctor, he gives us medication, and we're not uh, really as, as watchful as we should be in trying to look at the side effects. Before we talk about the spiritual
0: implications, Pastor, is there anything else you want to mention along the lines of maybe medication or any correlations and stress?
1: Well, the other thing I would like to say before we deal with dispersion, I mentioned this thing, is the I think that um, nutrition has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, and there are certain things that uh, if you are going through... Um, uh, depression, or you're going through stress, or you're going through burnout, um, you got to get rid of um, th- foods that are rich in sugar and replace those with uh, uh, what is called complex carbs like cereals and oatmeals and, and stuff like that, and also like with berries and, and dried fruit, etc. etc. That, that can be very helpful in help you to have uh, a good recovery. You also need to avoid caffeine. Uh, if you are going to burn out. uh, That's fighting language for some people. (laughs) I know. I recently had to stop it. I was taking, uh, I I normally was taking just a a small spoon of of, of coffee and I would mix it with a spoon of Milo because I am uh, going to type 2 diabetes. I just read recently that, that's one of the worst things I could do to take coffee. So I've cut that out. But I needed to give me some kind of taste because I also eliminated sugar. Mm. So I'm taking, I'm just taking uh, uh, two scoops of Milo and believe me I'm a guy that used to put three scoops of sugar in my tea <laughs> so, I'm, so I needed a little coffee yeah. to give it some kind of a taste but now I went and I eliminated it completely because uh, I don't want to be having to punch a needle in my body with right. needing insulin all my life but uh, those are things that, that are required but coffee and alcohol is another thing that you stay away from people who burn out think that by taking alcohol alcoholic gives them some kind of relief but it does more damage to the body etc uh, but when it comes to um, and the other thing, Nathan, that you need to be aware of when you when you if you have um, stress and and burnout, there is something that you find in the uh, mix with uh, spices and in other um, products that you buy in cans something called MSG. It is called uh, monosodium glutamate. Uh, um, that is very 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 dangerous. Um, as a matter of fact. Uh, it creates um, psychological effects on you and it can help to create anxiety. Mm. Now, I didn't know that as well until I recently studying this whole thing. So, why I'm going to, when I'm buying certain products now, I'm looking for uh, MSG to make sure that as much as possible I'm not deliberately exacerbating the problem by including that as part of it. <laughs> You know, a lot of things that we, 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 we use that. Uh, but it makes the know, food taste better. Past I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it, it does, let's face it, it does. But again, if it is detrimental to your health, yeah. you have to be. These are the days when, because of the incidence of cancer, it is so common. We now have to be more careful of what we are taking in. We were not very conscious of it before, but I think people are becoming more conscious now that we need to be aware. And as you become aware of these things, that these things are not being sold, they take them off the shelf and they have to replace them with something else. So that's where we, the consumer is actually producing results and causing the manufacturer to alter whatever combination he has there. Okay. I'd always
0: heard that MSG can, you know, I know some people would have uh, chronic headaches and stuff and have dietary issues with, it but i didn't realize until just not too long ago i was walking through the store grocery store and on the shelf there was a bag mm-hmm. of just msg it wasn't an item like, seriously? yeah it was just msg i, I wow. didn't i guess maybe i mean they put it in canned items and that kind of thing yeah. so i guess if you're like a restaurant or something uh-huh. i'm told it can really make the food taste better but i found that interesting and eye-opening Anything else from a nutritional? Yeah, these, standpoint?
1: in terms of nutritional point of view, um, it, it, you take greens, green fruits, uh, green uh, vegetables, etc. I'm told that a lot of them contain magnesium, and this has a calming effect on the body. So, the green, green, uh, greens are uh, also like walnuts, pumpkin seeds, flex seeds, and uh, even seaweed. It has what they call omega three in it and this helps with the inflammation of mind burnout and stress is also linked with the inflammation of mind so that helps uh, with, 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 with uh, burnout and then avocados I didn't know about avocados and mm-hmm. the importance of that it has something called uh, tr- uh, trisocin and uh, which is an amino acid that works alongside something called dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter pneumotrans- that helps what helps you f- f- feel good part of you when you do a reward or you have some kind of pleasure. So that is good for you as well. Uh, as well, uh, the avocado also has the omega three uh, in it that fatty acid that helps with the inflammation of the brain. Bananas is another good one. It has something called tryptophan that is associated with a a healthy psychological balance. And then, of course, um, vegetables uh, helps with the uh, inflammation of the brain. I'm told that uh, tomatoes and beets and and dark uh, leafy green, uh, etc., these are very good as well. Um, So those are... By the time you, you, you study stress and you look at it and you see the, the kind of food, you almost want to become a vegetarian, I must be honest with you, because you see the benefits of it. And I think that more and more people are moving. I'm not going to ever move away from meats, Nathan. Don't misunderstand me because God... I'm, right there. I'm right there with you. <laughs> God gave us meat, there's no question about that. So anything God has given us to eat is proper. But I do feel that we need to eat less of the starchy food and lose more of the vegetables and eat some of the meat with the vegetables. That helps you uh, as well uh, to deal with this whole matter.
0: If you've just tuned in and you're saying, is that my mother talking to me, telling me to eat my veggies? (laughs) No, it's Pastor Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church here in Antigua. We have just a couple of minutes left in tonight's episode, but we are talking about stress, something that all of us deal with at least once a day, probably multiple times a day. Maybe it's caused in your workplace. Maybe it's caused by the rough roads. Maybe it's caused by a coworker or a family member or a lack of water, whatever the case may be. God knows what you're going through, and we are here to answer your questions from a biblical perspective. Pastor, In the last two minutes, do you want to delve into the spiritual aspect, kind of whet our appetite for how to approach this?
1: Well, the thing I would say uh, when we're going to deal with that, uh, probably a little bit more next week, that ultimately uh, stress is a spiritual issue because it has to do with your perspective of what is happening can you repeat that I said ultimately uh, when it comes to this whole matter of stress it is uh, ultimately a spiritual issue and the reason for that it has to do with your perspective of what is causing the stress it's not so much the thing that 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 it's your perspective on the matter that is causing the stress and how you look at it your your viewpoint of it that really creates the stress itself so that is why it's a spiritual problem it all has to do substantially with your mind and your capacity to deal with whatever is coming and how you look at that particular matter. If you look at it from your own personal point of view, or look at it from the divine point of view, if you bring God into the picture, it helps you to understand that um, there is a way out of uh, being overwhelmed by this situation because the God factor is very, very crucial to the Christian life. You're
0: listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We've been talking about stress. Pastor, is there a point at which a Christian can face so much stress that there's no way forward? Or do you believe that God always has the answer for us?
1: Well, there's a Bible verse that I think comes to mind immediately. They have no testing taken you, but such as is common to man. uh, uh They have not been tested, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tested above that you are able, but will, with the testing, make a way of escape? I think that in itself says to you that God knows your limits. And God is not going to allow more than you can take. You, you look at Job, for example. I don't think I had the limits that Job had. Yeah. But God knew exactly how much Job could take to the extent where uh, Satan attacked his body, lost his home, lost his family, lost his children. But God, I'm not a Job. I'm not too sure that God would put me through that because he knows my limit. But what comforts me that God is faithful and he will not give me more than I can take. So that in itself is a word of comfort to me as a believer when I'm faced with a stressful situation. He puts limitations on it. As you
0: are listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, let me encourage you to keep your focus on God, keep your focus in God's Word, and be sure that you tune in next week as we continue this very practical topic that relates to all of us, the topic of stress, and as we explain how to deal with it from a biblical perspective. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM, If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.